Bill finally gave the Ringers Philly Crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shield Kapadia. That's right. Just a couple of Philly guys with a new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Join the fun and follow the Ringers Philly special now on Spotify. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my Lord. What episode is this? 181. All right. Welcome into episode 181 of The Full Go Podcast, brought to you by The Ringer. Of course, Spotify is the gang. Those beautiful voices that you may have heard already and maybe won't hear for the rest of this pod. We'll see. Uh, that of the production staff, the always active Jesse Lopez, my main man, Tony Gill. You know what, Tony? You know what, Jesse? I'm not going to come in here upset about the day that Chicago had on the sports scene. You know why I'm not going to be upset? Because... For the second week in a row, ladies and gentlemen, I got my tail up and said the Bears football was not going to hold me to the couch. It wasn't going to confine me to the crib. So I got my tail up and went out and went to church for the second week in a row. Now, this probably won't happen again for the next, I don't know, four or five years that you hear this pod, God willing, and the creek don't rise. Shout out to my man Dan Jiggins out there, you know, and shout out to Bill Simmons, right, if he's listening to this. But that's the thing. I'm not going to do this every week, right? Where this week, I was like, I don't know if Justin Fields going to play. It's time for me to sneak in a little Lord. You know what I mean? Go ahead to the house of prayer, get my amens in, you know, all those things. Jump around, sing the songs, take the word in. And then, and then, ladies and gentlemen, I managed, I managed to stay away from the results of the Packers-Bears games because I was in a route. 
right? I left church. It's like, you know what? It's the last game of a road trip. It's an odd time. The Bulls are in Sacramento, right? This is going to be an easy night for the kid. I'm going to get in there. I always had three hours to the tip-off in terms of when I'm going to get back home because we got a 45-minute post-game somewhere in there. So, bang, 5 o'clock tip. I'm going to be home at 8 o'clock. I'll be able to watch the Bears game, jump on this pod, and extol the virtues of one Justin Fields because of the foolishness that I saw happening on the timeline about the game that he had. And boy, oh boy, did I not account for what the Chicago Bulls are going to run out there and do again. Again! Again! By the way, again! This is not... When I say toughness, because apparently it got back to some people. It got back to some people about the things that I've been saying about their toughness and what they go out there and do. <laughs> they gave up 60 points in the first half to the Sacramento Kings. Now, I know the Kings are Prove playing you smart. right. I'm right, exactly. I know the Kings are playing a smart standing offense, but Bulls fans, I don't know if we we all watching the same thing right now, but the Bulls are 9-14. and 14 on the season. This is Sunday night we're recording this. They are 9-14. and And, Tony, I don't know if this is true either, but the Bulls get their pick this year if it's top four, right? Other than that, it goes to the old Orlando Magic, if I'm not mistaken, right? So, I don't know about y'all, but I'm sitting in the cut over here like, What's really happening here? This has been an odd week, to say the least. You you come off of Zach Levine getting benched and not liking it one bit. You fast forward to a couple of poor efforts and then all of a sudden beating the Milwaukee Bucks, which hasn't happened on the road in Milwaukee in five years. Then you follow that up with a couple of head scratches. One, one being the Devin Booker game where he scores 51 points in 31 minutes and three quarters of action. Mixed in that, you have the leaking of the extending of the contract of one Billy Donovan. So Bulls fans, if you got all these pieces on a board right now and you're looking over it and, and all of it, all of it spells nine and fourteen. By the way, I don't. I don't care how much you try to shine up these pieces. I don't care what you know. Uh, multiple uses the pieces have. I don't care how you feel about the pieces. I don't care what kind of confidence that you believe the pieces have to turn things around. If you look at all these pieces that are on this chessboard right now, and you're saying to yourself, "What the hell do I have?" All I know is in a game where everybody understood the stakes. The last game of this road trip, feel better about yourself being 3-3 three and three after what happened the first couple, well, the two previous games. You're going up against a Sacramento team that is exciting, but young. You may have an advantage, some may say, a coach in Billy Donovan over Mike Brown. Well, some may argue that now. You've got rotations issues all over the place. We're still talking about Lonzo Ball for some reason. Javante Green is out from the get-go, from the jump ball. You realize in the Sacramento game that Zach Levine was going to go get his. 
Zach Levine had sat by long enough <laughs> and watched this foolishness from afar. I'm, I'm telling y'all, 100%, that Devin Booker game did not sit well with him, and it shouldn't have sat well with him. It didn't sit well with him while it was happening. It probably didn't sit well with him after it happened. And who knows? And read between the lines here, but who knows what the hell is happening on that six-game road trip? All I know is this Bulls team is starting to act like five strangers who are wearing the same uniform. And whenever you start to see defensive breakdowns and guys staring at other guys, and this is another thing too, and this is no shade or no anything to Zach Levine, but his very, very public dismay when it comes to his demeanor in terms of what he doesn't like, possession to possession, or if somebody makes a mistake, he has to now understand that at $215 million, Zach, it's a different situation than the Zach before that was searching for all-star games and trying to make his way in this league. Now, that price tag, and, and I, I said it during the offseason, don't expect a different player just because you're paying them different money. There could be tweaks in refinement of the game. You can grow. You can have different experiences. But it ain't just, bam, you get the contract and all of a sudden everything is all good. Oh, by the way, you're coming off of a knee surgery where you didn't even hoop this year in the offseason, I should say. So if the Sacramento game can spawn any kind of good vibes or good feeling, it's that, okay, he may have some of his bounce back. He may be feeling better physically. But other than that, that game, much like the last two games that you've seen, much like most of this season has been a disconnected group trying to figure out how to dig themselves out of individual situations instead of helping the team out as a whole. Because when you screw up coverages on fast breaks and guys have wide open three-pointer looks for them, that's, see, that's what I'm talking about when I, I mentioned toughness as well. It's not this toughness of just foul somebody. Because the Bulls do a great job at fouling people. They, 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 they are A1 on this road trip at defending while fouling. <laughs> while, fouling while not defending. Whichever one you all want to call it, that's what they have done a lot of this trip. So it's not just snatching a guy out the air, throwing him on the ground, and staring at him with a tough look. No, no, no. The toughness I'm talking about is, okay, that ain't working for you. Get real uncomfortable and get grimy in the game. Muck a game up. Win one of those ugly, ugly games where y'all played better defense and nobody was hitting shots all night. That's the toughness I'm talking about. And even in this Sacramento game, where the Kings, ladies and gentlemen, the Kings came out like, oh, yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> they can get off to their little run. They can get off to that hot start. The Bulls right now are being played like a team who, you know when the NFL has those first 15 plays drawn up? And they send people out there, oh, look at that first 15. And then the next three quarters, like, hey, man, what the fuck happened to those 15 plays y'all ran in the beginning that y'all scripted all week long, that y'all choreographed and knew every step and knew what your scout team defense was showing you would be similar to what the opposing defense in the game would show you, and you would be able to have all the answers to that test. Whenever Billy Donovan has to emphasize something or has to talk about something, you please believe the Bulls seemingly do the silliest thing by showing them and showing him and <laughs> showing themselves that they can adhere to it. But then at some point, something else is going to get leaky and then you're going to have to emphasize something else. It's like the Bulls have shown themselves, <laughs> their fans, their coach, how good they can be. Eh, 
it's just uncomfortable to do it long enough, though. It's just a little bit uncomfortable to make sure that when I'm rotating, there was a moment tonight where Kobe White and Derrick Jones Jr. played terrific transition defense until the very end when the last rotation to help the helper had to happen and both of those guys went to their man instead of helping the helper. Next thing you know, you have a dunk underneath the basket because all the Sacramento Kings had to do was be patient in their secondary break. You're going to run up against a lot of teams who aren't better than the Bulls maybe but play better basketball. And if you're getting beat because of better basketball, then that's when I throw my hands up. That's when I let the, the analysts and Will Purdue and Kendall Gill get it all off. That's when I let Billy Donovan, who talked for seven straight minutes, seven straight minutes after this loss. Y'all don't think some messages are being sent out here? Like I said, look at the pieces on the chessboard right now, Bulls fans. All of a sudden, the report of a contract gets, you know, extension, I should say, gets leaked on this road trip shortly after the benching of one Zach Levine, what, a week or so ago. Now, Zach didn't question it. Well, yeah, he did question it publicly. He put question it at the postgame, and then they talked about it the next day. But if that's still lingering, <laughs> and all these talks about what the Lakers may want, these guys hear this stuff. You're going to find out. And I think, we, you know, after a while, you are what you are. And to continue to talk about Lonzo Ball as if he's going to be some savior, that's, that's, that's putting him in an awful position. 13 points, five rebounds, and five assists a game ain't going to save what I'm watching out here right now. The only people that are going to save the Chicago Bulls are their three best players. However y'all want to figure it out. <laughs> go into a room, lock it down, and, and figure out how y'all going to figure it out. Maybe just say, hey, we all have to play a lot more defense. Like tonight, for instance, Zach Levine, I thought, had himself a pretty damn good perimeter defensive game. But that should be the norm. That should be the norm now. Like, we're no longer talking about Zach Levine as a dunk contest champion. We're no longer talking about Zach Levine as the, oh, look, he's an efficient scorer now. We're no longer talking about Zach Levine as, well, he's an all-star. Those expectations keep replacing the old ones for a reason, because it's there. It's just about whether that next step is beneficial enough. Now, he goes out and scores 41 tonight. The reason I like this is because he went to the free throw line. He was aggressive from jump street. DeMar DeRozan did not have it. Nobody else on the team had it. The rotations are a little weird because Javante Green is out. Patrick Williams gets thrown back in the starting lineup. Vooch, I don't know where he was this game. But there's a different thing seemingly every game, but all of them are material enough for you to be worried as a Bulls fan. 9-14 and 14 ain't where this team should be. And it's okay to say that. You should be saying that. You should feel the way you feel. The timeline is heating up. Bulls fans are running. At, Bulls fans have that Sox vibe to them where it's like, hey, hey now, you only got a year of my goodwill. We can get back to the old days real quick around here if you want. That's how Bulls fans are looking at the Bulls right now, and I don't blame you. I don't. Right now, it's okay to question if anybody can do their jobs, including me, including Kendall, including Will including the dudes on the bench, including the starters who keep getting shuffled in and out of line, including the coach, including the architects. Everybody is up for question. That's what happens when a team and an organization has expectations. 
expectations are great until it's time to meet them, until there's a little adversity, until shit is a little uncomfortable. Problem is, the Bulls keep allowing these games to be very comfortable for teams that shouldn't be comfortable. I like De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis as much as the next guy. Those dudes have to be in the 30s for me to accept any kind of win against the Kings. I don't care how well they've been playing lately. Them two dudes didn't have to bust a sweat. Demonis Sabonis had himself a Nikola Jokic game. Remember what Jokic did the other day? What, two and a half weeks ago? When he controlled the game, was the best player on the court, scored eight points? Demonis Sabonis is out there playing like that. And that Davion Mitchell, that dude from Baylor, like, you know, you, you want to you figure out what you need? Guys like that. Guys like that who are willing to push the envelope physically, intensity-wise. This man got a ticky-tack foul, came back and got another one, the same possession. I'm not going to stop playing a certain way just because you're calling it that way. And as, as long as I'm not hurting my team, guess what? He disrupted things so much that ball did not pop around that perimeter the rest of the possession. Like, those are the kinds of things. Those are the do, and you have guys like that and Derek Jones Jr. and Alex Caruso. But get, those guys can only do so much and can only be asked to do so much. If you want guys to stay in the starting lineup because you like them, we'll play better. And this is for the three best players on the team. Tired of us looking at Io DeSumo and Patrick Williams and Javante Green and Alex Caruso as if they're the problem. They're, they're not making enough shots. Stop playing with me. You got two guys who should give you 50 points every night combined. Figure out where you're going to get the next 60 from and roll. For whatever reason, though, this thing is not looking connected. And the, the, the more they play like this, the more pressure builds on games that shouldn't have pressure on them. This Wizards game coming up on Wednesday, a whole lot of pressure on it. Guess what happened to the Wizards? They had 55 put on them by Anthony Davis. It's going to be real uncomfortable around watching the basketball. So be prepared to go up against a team who's been put through the ringer for a couple of nights. Then you got Luka and the Mavs, who are struggling right now, looking to get back on the good foot. Then you got a home and home with the Knicks. Nothing is easy out here. And I, I don't know if the Bulls think just because Lonzo Ball is on the mend that some of these teams are going to hold, hold it down until he gets back. No. No. You are the Bulls that put everybody on alert. Play like it. And this, this road trip outside of the Milwaukee game, because that's the game of note, outside of the Milwaukee game, you can have it. Their effort has been porous. The, the times that they have been connected haven't been long enough. The times that they played any kind of sustainable defense hasn't been long enough. And now you've got real issues that are bubbling up to the optics, the public. The optics are there. You can watch these games now and see what the problems are. Usually, you know, you can just guess or hear your insiders or talk to people in the know. It's right there on the damn video for you. Go back and watch that final possession of the Bulls game if you want to and see exactly how this team feels about each other right now. So, losing doesn't help, I understand, but guess what? Y'all being y'all has gotten y'all a 9-14 and 14 record. Maybe, just maybe, it's time to be somebody else. Time for some commercials! Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! 
Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. So, Tony, I explained that I, I had other things going on this fine Sunday morning. So, after the Bulls upset me in the manner that they did, after they upset themselves, I, I would think, too, got home, raced into the office and was like, all right, Bears, Packers, what food do you guys like to eat so much that you got to move it from around you because you'll eat too much of it? Pizza and wings, probably. Pizza and wings? Like, wow. you're like, hey, too much. Get this out of my sight. What about you, Tom? The Little Debbie Christmas cakes? Oh. Man, if it's a box true, of them, True it's fat getting, kids unite. Man, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, getting yeah. chewed up no, around here. No, no, Multiple boxes if, if it's available. So oh, I got to say no to them. Yeah, I, I got a better more. one. I got a What's better that? one that's more addicting. Uh, Trader Joe's had this little box of like mini peanut butter milk chocolate cups. Oh, okay. And damn, yeah, I can finish that whole box in one sitting if, if like look, I don't. Look at them, look, look at them stunting on us, Tom. You see that? You, you feel it? He's like, oh, no, no. I That sounds a little too poor, guys, with your Christmas snacks. I. <laughs> There's these peanut butter cups that they only sell to preferred members. <laughs> and I kill those four at a time because, you know, they're Trader Joe's, so you don't want to go too hard. <laughs> no, I can dig it. I can dig it. I, I felt all it. the California in that sentence, Jesse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Shout out to the, shout out to the left coast. Y- you know what I love more than anything? You know, one is like Reese's peanut butter cups or any any kind of chocolate and peanut butter combo put together. So I can I can vibe with you there, Jess. But what I love after that <laughs> is the angst that Bears fans have during Bears Packers games. Let me let me let me let me break this down for because people think that you know well, it is a local podcast, right? But we get ears outside of the Chicagoland area, right? And everybody thinks Bears Packers is just, oh, look, Bears Packers, Palace, you know, <laughs> Lombardi, uh, all the colors and, you know, the 85 Bears and Bradford. No, no, no. It goes deeper than that. Okay. The hatred goes deeper than that. I'm talking about Edgar Bennett levels of hatred, right? I'm talking about Don Mikowski, huh? When's the last time you thought about the magic man, Don Mikowski, the dude that was the quarterback before Aaron Rodgers and before Brett Favre? The hatred go so deep that I watch people and hell for 16 years of my life from a, a, a young man to full adulthood working in this industry and at that radio station answered phone calls of people crying, people getting mad at their spouses. I mean, hell, we used to talk about the domestic abuse rates after Bears Packers games like Shit got crazy in this city and does still to this day, every single time these two teams square off. But boy, 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 did y'all do a number on a game and with two teams that ain't shit this Sunday. Boy, y'all was out here acting like it was NFC Championship Bears Packers matchup when Cutler hurt his knee and y'all was at the restaurant looking at him walking up and downstairs talking about you ain't hurt enough. <laughs> Remember that? When Caleb Haney, and, and you, when he finished the game and people were questioning Cutler's injury because they saw him at Maestro's walking up the steps. If he could walk up the steps, he should be able to play football. Remember those, remember those angry motherfuckers? Those same dudes. 
dudes, well, not the same ones, because a lot of those dudes are dead, because a lot of those dudes move around with a lot of heart issues and never go to the doctor. But similar dudes, or another generation of dudes, was on my line talking about, was it a three and nine team against a four and eight team? <laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> they didn't stop till after the game about what Justin Fields isn't. Listen, listen, listen to me. Listen to me when I tell you this. If you are still a part of the the whole the Bears still don't have a quarterback crowd, just 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 be quiet. Just just be right on the other side, right? Like this is one of those ones where y'all could be snipers, where you could just be as quiet as you possibly can and be thought of as dumb instead of just being loud and saying, you know, the running back stuff and all that. And yeah, shout out to my man Joe Cowley, because I know he's out here trolling, right? So he's got a lot of y'all on the hook, you know. Enjoy that hook fish, because he's gonna do it for the rest of the time you read his tweets. But listen, the most impressive play to me. In Bears-Packers, what, episode, whatever the hell this was today, third and 10. Third and 10, third quarter, Justin Fields under pressure, moving around a little bit in the pocket, and you, you think you start to see with the semblance of a tuck. You think that he's getting ready, and he just steps up in the pocket, finds Cole Komet on the left sideline for, I believe, a 12- or 13-yard game. And Mark Schlereth, Rightfully so. Shout out to my main man, Adam Amin. The good buddy Adam Amin was on the call. But Mark Schlereth, rightfully so, gushed over what we saw. Because in that moment, that is an insignificant, just another run-of-the-mill third-down conversion for any other quarterback in any other NFL team. But in this moment, where you're watching a game between a 3-9 and nine team and a 4-8 and eight team, and all you need to see is evaluation tape. All you need to see is Justin Fields mature and grow experientially at the quarterback position. You got it. Get all the hey, I know he can run 56 yards for a touchdown faster than everybody else in the, on the damn field, right? Like some of the things I was enthused about, this rivalry going forward is in great hands. You got some players on the field, young players on the field today. That Quay Walker, number seven for the Packers, if he don't get hurt at that linebacker position, that man's going to be around for a long time wreaking havoc. That's a special player. For a rookie to have not only the instincts, but the ability to get sideline to sideline as big as he is. And don't get me started on Christian Watson. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see what a second-round pick can yield you? Hmm? All these people who can't wait to tank because you're going to find some magic wide receiver. And now it's, you know, Will Anderson or whoever the top-rated offensive lineman will be or whoever they want to – because now every Bears fan is a GM. Every Bears fan want to trade it for a bushel load of picks. Well, yeah, there's a lot of teams out here with a couple of picks in the first round. I believe there are three teams with, with multiple first-round picks. So there'll be some options. But Christian Watson, back to the young talent. Christian Watson, he's laughing at this kid. The NFL was laughing at this kid week one. This man has seven touchdowns in the last eight weeks. Something crazy. Four straight games with touchdowns. Something crazy like that. Man ran a 4-3-6 at the combine. Guess when you saw it? On that jet sweep that they have been planning and plotting on all day long and caught the Bears in the right situation, in the right scheme, and, <laughs> and the wrong leverage. And next thing you know, it's six. Now, I'm not going to make any... I'm not, you know, it'd be wrong of me to make any comment. 
of the second round price tag on one Chase Claypool that was spent and how he performed today. It'd be wrong of me. And also be wrong of me to bring up the fact that the safety in the corner that you drafted shortly after, shortly after Christian Watson uh, did not play. Because that'd be wrong of me. That'd be wrong of me. All I know is through Lou Getze, <laughs> through special teams, and through a Bears defense. Hey, shout out to the Bears secondary today. Elijah Hicks, I know he got, I know he was scored on on the Christian Watson touchdown, but him. Josh Blackwell, um, you know, Jalen Johnson until he got that defensive holding. Like, for the Bears' back seven, right? For their back seven, linebackers and secondary included, to defend the way that they defended today, A1. Great job by Allen Williams because I don't know what, what the hell, Dominique Robinson uh, Quan Muhammad, friend of the show from the Super Bowl, uh, Justin Jones. Armand Watts had a couple of plays where he got he knifed into the backfield, had a tackle for loss, I believe, and a, and, a, and a couple other stops. But I have no idea what those four gentlemen were doing all game long. Then Taco Charlton's big ass get in there for a little bit, pushed her. You know, he, he, he put, this is the other thing too. Zach Tom is a left tackle, a rookie left tackle, and Allen Williams was like, "All right, Dominique Robinson, you and the other rookie gonna go at it." all game and we're going to see who's good and who's not. Meanwhile, Dominique Robinson is still uh, Velcro to Zach Tom's jersey. There was no pressure on Aaron Rodgers. That defense, that's as, that's as well as you could play against Aaron Rodgers without any pressure at all. They got to him a few times, maybe a few times. I believe he hit the deck twice and he got a few hands on him, but there wasn't a, 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 a a flurry of pressures. Not that I'm expecting it. All I'm saying is that back seven covered their ass off. And this this rivalry is going to be filled with talent for years to come. Christian Watson is a ball player. Um, A.J. Dillon, I mean, what, what more can you say? Like, old school running backs. I still, there's still a place in my heart for the dudes who you know ain't fast, know ain't elusive, just here to bruise up your defense. Um yeah, that, that defense played about as well as they could for as long as they could. But, of course, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. And at the end of the game, it's a bad throw on that third down interception by, by Justin Fields. It was a horrible throw. It was a bad decision. And I won't even say the decision was bad. The dude trusted his arm a lot. He had poor fundamentals. He really didn't get a chance to step up in the pocket and step into the throw. And when you can't do that, you can't throw that football. That first interception, we're going to stop having conversations about him throwing to special teamers. Equinemius St. Brown could be the best blocking wide receiver in the history of the NFL. Whenever I see him in a route, I know there's trouble afoot, okay? Even when, (laughs) and I know he caught a 50-yard bomb. I Trust me, I do. But I I cannot trust anytime I see 19 anywhere out there on in any big play or or need play type of situation. You needed him to break. Hell, Jair Alexander said that he had been tipping him off in film the entire week with his slow-ass breakdown of when to jump the route. And that's exactly what he did. The man paid attention to his film, and it paid off for him because your man, Equinemius St. Brown, is out here doing a chicken dance when he's trying to shut it down instead of having quiet elbows tucked in arms and breaking down with his hips and feet. The man is doing the the biggest turnaround on a comeback route ever. The ball's already out, son. You got to turn around and help your quarterback out. So we got Taylor Griffin. 
for football. Um, oh, my God. Hey, say, man, you know my favorite saying, somebody's got to be Taylor Griffin. You know what I mean? <laughs> somebody's got to be Leangelo. You already know the vibes. But, yeah, man, I just, you know, I mean, I'm not mad, though, because I'm on rise going crazy for my fantasy team right now. Just absolutely going crazy out here. Shout out to the St. Brown family. But, yeah, I'm not about to go crazy about no damn 3-19 and 19 versus a 4-18 and 18 Packers-Bears game or not. So for all the Bears fans who are going crazy, enjoy yourself, man. Like, you got yourself a quarterback. This was another chance to evaluate that quarterback. This is another chance to evaluate the second-round price tag that you put on the go-up-and-get-it receiver wearing number 10 and Chase Claypool. I, I don't know what he finished with today. All I know is he had a costly fumble. Um, yeah. All I'm doing is watching number nine run up and down the field for Green for Green Bay Packers and thinking to myself, hmm, okay, that's that's what you could do at number 34. <laughs> that's what you can get. You can get yourself a future pro bowler at number 34 in the draft. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Jay, do you need to see anything else from Justin this year? Don't do this. Don't do this, Tony. Football players play football, man. I know. Don't do this. I know. I, I know, understand. But I'm like... He's still got shit he got to learn, too, man. This, I know, I, Tony. Because you're never going to be able to remove that bubble wrap if you start that now. You're never I mean, going to be able to... That's a, that, that, that is not in a football player's culture and his mind. I, cause, and you know why I can't stand on it the way that, that you'd like me to? Because they tried to pull this shit with Cutler after his first year. When Cutler got here and got his head beat in his first year, but we all saw for the first time somebody who could actually chew gum and throw a damn out route at the same time in this city, we all got crazy. And it was like, oh, look at him. Buddy's getting beat up. We got to shut him down. And I was adamant. No, you don't shut him down. You don't shut him down. You do a better damn job of protecting him. You do a better damn job of play calling. Like Lou Getze with six times, six straight play calls where he took the, the ball out of his best player's hands. Like this whole Lou Getze, oh, it's, it's going to be another offensive coordinator for Justin. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. He's going to be here next year too. He's going to be here next year too. Because what I'm learning, what I'm learning as I'm watching these games is that you can steal a little bit of the Ravens offense and you can dip and dab here on, uh, with this little gimmick. They ran the wildcat today. You're going to put Justin Fields out of the, at a wide receiver position and scare who? And on top of it, what if I just feel chippy enough to come up here and jam the shit out of him right on that left shoulder? Like, what are we doing out here? This is what I'll ask. Develop an offense that's going to keep your quarterback upright. Develop a game plan that's going to do that. It's like they went to the well, got something, realized that something is not sustainable, but we're going to ride it to the wheels fall off. The wheels fell off. You were able to patch it up, put one wheel back on, and then you're like, ah, I think that ride to the wheels fall off thing sounds good, don't you? No. Now it's time for the second and third level. Take me to the, the multi-layered conversations is what I want my play caller to make me have as a football thinker and as a football fan and as a Chicago Bears fan. I'm still at the first level of the conversation, which is telling me that you know how to use him. That's what we're still at when it comes to Luke Getze. And Matt Eberflew's calling that timeout before the half. Uh, you, what are you doing? You, you don't have the defense to mess around and do that. You're giving Aaron Rodgers more time now. You're giving you know, Matt LaFleur more time now. That's a ballsy-ass timeout to call with no defense. And I don't care how they've been playing. You know when you're out here with house money. 
And you know when you're out here with the rent money. You're out there with the rent money. Stop playing around. Get your ass in the crib. Get your ass in the crib and, and figure out what the score should be. And they were double dipping because you chose to, to receive the ball. Like, there were a lot of very, very questionable coaching decisions made in this game today. A lot of them. So, brass tacks, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers win another game. They win another Bears-Packers game. He gets to talk shit for another year, whatever the case may be. That whack-ass haircut and that weird-ass team that he's on right now is not going to win a damn thing. Bears fans, if you want to be upset about this Bears-Packers installment, go right ahead. If you want to be the fools out here running around saying that they don't know if the Bears have a quarterback, the man went 20 for 25. An interception to end the game is not the worst thing that's going to happen in the next five, six years of his career. Hopefully he doesn't repeat these mistakes. And no, I'm not going soft on him. I just understand that this may be the best talent the best talent that the Bears have ever drafted a quarterback in my lifetime. And not, it's not maybe, by the way. This is the best talent that the Bears have ever drafted a quarterback in my lifetime. So I'm going to play this thing like football fans do when they find that they have the best talent at quarterback that their team has ever drafted in their lifetime and take these steps. They just figured out how to use them. He's just figuring out how to use himself. And now, all of a sudden, he's seeing things and things are slowing down for him. And he's stepping up in the pocket on third down conversions. And you're going to bitch about a, a fourth quarter interception? Yeah, he should have done it. But I promise you, I'm not throwing him out because of that. Bears fans don't know, how to, don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to feel sometimes. But I'll tell you this. Feel comfortable that you have the quarterback of the future. And not just the quarterback of the future, the quarterback of the now. Because I'll tell you this, in the two quarterbacks that were on the field today, there wasn't that big a gap. There wasn't that, and I know one is on the way out and one is on the way up, but there wasn't that big a gap. And I'd, 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 I'd stretch it to say that Justin Fields played just as, as good as Aaron Rodgers did today. Horrible mistake at the end, but who made more plays today? Who was forced to make more plays today with fewer playmakers? I, I don't know what you're watching out there, but y'all better get with the program because this is it. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You've been outside of Chicago. Outside Chicago. Outside. 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 Where we at? Outside! So, Tony, Jesse, I didn't get it the other day when I saw dude who was interviewing Deion Sanders and saying, hey, man, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I know they play in the Broncos. Can you give me a ride? So I was like, oh, I don't understand. You know, I don't keep my ear to the college streets as much as I probably should these days. And then the next day happens where Deion Sanders is named head coach of the University of Colorado. Now, Colorado meant something to me when I was a kid. I'm talking about watching Eric Bieniemy and his Heisman campaign 
talking about Cordell Stewart, Michael Westbrook, and all the games before that, all the all the teams before that. Um, Nebraska, Colorado was a big deal around Thanksgiving, right? It was either Thanksgiving Day, day after Thanksgiving, but it was a big deal. It was a big, big eight game, and then it became a big, big 12 game. Now, one team is in the Pac-12, another team's in the Big Ten. College football is all topsy-turvy, right? But this this Deion Sanders thing has sparked up a lot of conversation uh, around black Twitter, around sports, uh, you know, online sports communities. Uh, uh, hell, walking into work, talking to people about it. And all I feel is I understand both sides. And this is not a good place for a person with a microphone to be in because you always got to be on this hot takery. You always got to say something that's going to be so provocative that it, you know, it gets you a whole bunch of clicks and all of a sudden you, your podcast is on fire. But walk with me here. You know, I had a chance to be around Deion Sanders a couple of times. I think he came to the station a couple of times when I was in Atlanta. And Deion Sanders always has come off to me as a person who, you know, we all seen Deion Sanders since he was introduced to us fresh out of Florida State and made the Atlanta Falcons a thing. You know, his presence in, in the whole Jerry Glanville thing was uh, something to behold. But I've never been under the impression, and feel me when I say this, I've never been under the impression that Deion Sanders wasn't um, about Deion Sanders or anything but Deion Sanders at every point. Like, there was no point, and and there's no way that doesn't sound bad, but he's been authentically a showman and promoter of self his entire, his entire existence in front of us. Now, he's been, he's one of the greatest defensive players of all time, right? He's one of the greatest uh, football minds of all time. You know, if you, if you really, you know, listen to him talk and not do the Dion entertaining thing. Um, you know, I, I've I've been around people who have broken down film and talked football with them, and it, you'd be astounded. Now, you probably shouldn't be astounded because you know that level of greatness isn't just by athleticism alone. But you know, the 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 constant self promotion and understanding platforms and understanding uh, exposure. That's nothing new to anybody who's ever consumed anything Deion Sanders, whether it be with the Braves or the Reds or the Yankees or you go back to the, the Falcons. Hell, the, one of the biggest, well, the, one of the biggest moments, I should say, um, in my sports viewing history and, and sports consumption history as a kid was him going to San Francisco. And then him going to Dallas and it being like, okay, this dude goes somewhere. Now it's time to win. The same way Charles Haley did on the defensive side of the football for both of those franchises. Hell, I remember a Monday night game that I didn't get a chance to go to where he played both ways here in Chicago. Where he, I think he finished with like 10 catches for like 89 yards and played every snap on the defensive side of the football. And it was like, that's an incredible feat, right? So the, he's always understood the moment. He's always understood exposure. He's always understood uh, what that spotlight can do. And he's, he's rarely burned himself under that spotlight. Until now. Until now. Because when Deion Sanders jumped into college football and he became the head coach of Jackson State, and not just college football, 
but an HBCU. And if you're listening to this and you don't have any interaction with anybody who's ever been to an HBCU, um, I, it, it's something that I have come to learn and appreciate very late in life, so much so that I'm, uh, I'm hesitant to speak on it too heavy. But the people that I've been around who have been involved or went to or affiliated with an HBCU, there's a sense of pride there for those young men and women who are celebrated sometimes for the last time in an environment uh, that makes them feel like they are the most important thing, the most important resource, the most important person, the most important entity on these campuses, right? And they're so severely underfunded that you, you don't have to know about them if you're not of it, right? Like, if you're not of HBCU culture or around HBCU culture or, you know, uh, bump into people who uh, love and feel that vibe all the time, then you can go your entire life being a member of a, you know, predominantly white institute, as they are called, PWIs, where you can go to Indiana, you can go to Michigan, you can go to Wisconsin and not know a thing about Hampton or not know a thing about Fisk, right? Or not know a thing you know, uh, 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 about Cumberland, not know a thing about some of these schools that for very, very important reasons exist, right? Higher education wasn't allowed for Black people for a very, very long time. So what did Black people do? They made their own universities. They founded their own educational establishments. The Deion Sanders part, where he jumps into an HBCU program ignites it with his personality and the bravado and all the fanfare and all the primetime stuff. What he did for Jackson, Mississippi, by the way, you know, the, the water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi isn't all the way over. Like, like, this was happening. They were winning football games while people didn't have clean water to drink. And mind you, Flint ain't over either for the people who are still listening and, you know, stop hashtagging that for a while. Like, there's still issues in these predominantly black areas, especially these poverty-stricken black areas. But back to this HBCU Deion Sanders conversation, for me, right? Knowing people who have gone to Florida A&M, going, knowing people who have gone to Morehouse, knowing people who have gone to Clark Atlanta, knowing people who have gone to Spelman, knowing people who have gone to all these places and the pride that they have about being there and more importantly, the relationships and the bond that they build with the communities that they are sometimes from and sometimes not from. My sister went to South Carolina State. It's where she met her husband. I remember dropping my sister off in Orangeburg, South Carolina, thinking, She's going to be okay. It wasn't that the campus was the, the, the prettiest in the world. I'd been on hella, hella college tours by then. Damn near toured the entire Big Ten, a couple, few schools in the South, schools in the East. Like, I'd seen many a campus. This campus was nothing crazy, nothing special, nothing to write home about. But the people, the people who were ingratiating her into an atmosphere, into a family, you know, the, the people that you saw walking up and down the dorms, they looked like her. There was a sense of, of family and there was a sense of taking care of. And I assume that's what happens on each one of these campuses. Now, let's fast forward to what happens with these athletic programs. Players get drafted out of these schools. Hell, Shaq Leonard went to South Carolina State. Like, Walter Payton went to Jackson State. 
Like Jerry Rice went to Mississippi Valley State. Like some of the greatest players who have ever played NFL football come from Deacon Jones. Like they come from these places. So fast forward all this time, Deion Sanders gets the job at Jackson State. My first thought was he ain't going to be there long. He's not going to be there long. If you looked at it and you saw the play, it was like, oh, okay, at some point, Miami or Florida State, Florida, somebody's going to pluck him because of how he can get through to recruits. People want to go to the NFL. If you're a DB, you're a defensive player, hell, if you're any player of note and you see prime time coming to your living room, he might have the edge on somebody. He might have the edge if it's a, you know, if it's a toss-up on which school you want to go to. So when he went to Jackson State, I said to myself, this is going to be, this is going to be a little experiment. Hopefully he wins some games. And not only did he win games, he won big. Not only did he win big, he got the, the number one recruit in the nation in Travis Hunter to come to that school in Jackson, Mississippi, to play for the Jackson State football team. Now, along the way, he's got his sons playing, right? He's got his son playing quarterback. I believe his son was an all-conference, nationally renowned player on that level, right? They did their fair amount of winning. Hell, college game day went there this season. But this whole time, I was in a cut like, oh, he's going to leave. At some point, he's going to leave. I thought maybe it would get through one recruiting cycle. And that's where we get into the messiness of this. Because far be it from me to look any black man in the face and say, hey, make less money than you would before. Take care of your family in a lesser way than you would before this opportunity placed itself in front of you. That's not in my spirit. That's not in my soul. I want everybody to be as fruitful as they possibly can. As long as you're making the right decisions for yourself and your family, you shouldn't have to answer to anybody. But there's a different hold and a different tie when you go and get that Jackson State, that HBCU energy. The way that community wrapped itself around Deion Sanders and the way that community wrapped itself around that football program, because it's hand in hand, they got to offer something. If you out there getting your ass thrashed every single time you go out there to play football and the only thing you winning is the battle of the bands, it's not going to have the same vibes. So they put in the hard work. He coached his ass off and they won football games. But along the way, there was a lot of talk about people respecting HBCUs and Black players needing to come to HBCUs. By Dion. Black players needing to come to HBCUs. Why do you have to go and run to the predominantly white institutions? Why do you have to do that? Come here. He didn't make it through a a recruiting cycle. The people he he recruited as freshmen, if I'm not mistaken, you know, they haven't graduated yet. This is their senior year, if I'm not mistaken. So on one hand, never am I going to say, dah, dah, yeah. You're a sellout, you're a coon. Like, all these people are calling him a whole bunch of shit right now that I think is wild. And and it's, you know, unfortunate, to be honest with you. Because I'm not here to tear down any black man in that manner. But also, what about the things that you did say? And what about the bond and the understanding that these players have that they will have at no other place outside of an HBCU? Travis Hunter now has to figure out what his life is going to be. Does he want to stay in Jackson, Mississippi? 
Does he want to stay with, with the Jackson State squad or does he want to transfer and open up the portal? Now, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of kids who were a part of that Jackson State program have to look at it and say, okay, I go now from Jackson, Mississippi to Boulder, Colorado. It's an awakening. I don't know if it's rude or polite, but it's an awakening either way. So Deion Sanders is doing the common business of college football, but he's got a very uncommon circumstance, and it's because of what's happening and what does happen on those campuses at these HBCUs and how these men and women are treated, how these men and women grow up together, how these men and women are appreciated and celebrated on these campuses. Will that be the same now? Will that be the experience? Will that be the selling point? Will that be the, the energy? Will that be the vibe? Will that be the culture that he brings with a Colorado Buffalo hat on? He can't possibly. He can't possibly. Do I think Deion Sanders is going to be successful? I think so. I think he'll be able to recruit players, and I think that's all you got to do to a certain point. I mean, shout out to Les Miles. There's a lot, shout out to Ed Ogeron. Name it, give me some more LSU coaches. All you got to do is get enough four and five stars on your two and three deep, and they will outplay anything that you can outcoach. But the question would be for me to Dion is, what was the intent the entire time? If the intent the entire time was to get the next job and progress, I got no issues with it. But if the intent the entire time, which I thought it was, was connecting with and shining a light on an underserved um, and underappreciated and sometimes underwhelming because of the atmosphere around this exposure or lack thereof in the HBCU world, I thought he was getting ready to try to be a pioneer in that way. So no shade to him. Hey, man, get your money. But at the same time, I do understand how some of these people at that school and the HBCUs around the nation could be hurt. The full goal with Jason Golf. All right, that's all the time we have for episode 181 of the Full Go Podcast. Want to thank my production crew, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the act of Jesse Lopez, and my main man, Tony Gill. Uh, we appreciate y'all hanging out with us. We will catch y'all on Tuesday, right? So we'll uh, we'll get a chance to hear what Luke Getze and Justin Fields and Matt Eberflew's thought of the loss to the Packers. We'll get a little bit more information on what the heck's going on with this Bulls situation as well. And I think we'll jump into the college football bag as well. So we got a lot for you on Tuesday's podcast. Uh, as we let you go here, we want to thank you guys out there for downloading this thing, for subscribing to this thing, for rating and reviewing it, for sharing it with your family and friends. Thank you so much for whatever you do for this pod. We truly appreciate you. And it wouldn't be the full go, by the way. And I would be remiss on this December 4th if I did not mention uh, the assassination and untimely and unfortunate death of the chairman, Fred Hampton, here in the city of Chicago. Low those many years ago, uh, he was assassinated by the authority figures in this city, the Chicago Police Department, and people aligned with them. Uh, it's an unfortunate happening, and there is a group of people who are still reeling every single year and every single day, and there's a family that's still missing a father and a brother and a husband. So rest in peace to the chairman, Fred Hampton. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thanking you so much for hanging out with us. As always, I see y'all out in these streets and it's getting a little bit colder out here, right? So put a coat on, you know, get yourself together, get ready for these germs and this flu and everything that's taking everybody out. Make sure you guys out there taking care of yourself, okay? All you fellas out there, happy us, happy us. 
Just don't say that too loud around the lady, all right? <laughs> Take care of yourselves and be safe. I'll let you next time.